Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Um, have you ever found yourself, have you ever met a family that was kind of like had it all together? You know what I'm saying? Like the car was never dirty. You know, the kids never misbehaved. You know, mum and dad never seemed to fight. Uh, they were successful. Like life just seemed to work for this family, you know. And, and then it was one day you kind of drive driving down the, the freeway to, um, to, to Brisbane. And as you're driving along on the side of the road, you come across them and there they are with a flat tire and something on the inside of you goes, yes, you know. What, what, what is that about us? What, why, do we, why do we have this response, reaction? I don't know whether you've ever heard the phrase, uh, there can only ever be one winner. And we, we, we come across that notion, we get this idea from what we define as a zero-sum game. And it works like this. If you win by two, I lose by... I lose by two, right. So two minus two equals zero. Well done. <laughs> That's the idea behind the zero-sum game. It's a strongly held view. Um, it's, it's, it's ingrained into us from the time we're born. It creates environments of mistrust, defensiveness, because everyone's looking after number one because nobody wants to lose. You see, you don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. But here's the thing. If you win, I lose. And so I will fight. I, I will push you down. I will do my best because I don't want to lose. This mindset is the reason we constantly compare and compete for an increase in our own self-worth. It's been like this since we were this high, you know. Have you ever seen a, a, an only child doted over by the mother and then the mother gets pregnant and there's another kid on the way and something on the inside of you kind of think to yourself, man, that kid's in for a rude awakening when that baby turns up because you know full well that, that, you know, that kid who is the apple of mother's eye who gets all mother's attention is pretty soon going to have to share the spotlight with a sibling and we know that as a result, sibling rivalry, not that it ever happened in your family, I'm sure. It's probably only Amy's family that fills her up and drains her at the same time. <laughs> Sibling rivalry uh, is there. Uh, and this, this mindset, I'm gonna, this is what we're going to call it. All right? We're going to call it scarcity mindset because it works off the, the, the premise that there's only so much to go around. And if you get a bigger slice, then that leaves a smaller slice for me. Right? We're going to call it scarcity mindset. It's reinforced in your mind and heart by the media. Um, there's something on the inside of you that, that, that naturally uh, predisposes towards any threatening moment. So here's, here's the idea. If something's going to threaten me, this is a survival instinct, you will notice it. It will stick out to you and you'll, uh, it will register in your mind. Because of this, the media, which wants your attention, wants ratings, there's a phrase that says, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Because the idea is, uh, you know, we want you to think something bad is about to happen and you better listen to us because we're going to tell you this is really bad. And what's worse than the notion or the idea that we're running out? Here's one for you. We're running out 
of energy. Have anyone ever heard that? <laughs> now, this is rather pertinent this morning. Um, you know, we're running out of water or we're running out of this. We're running out of, of, of oil. I remember back in the late 70s, you know, when everyone had V8s and then all of a sudden V8s were worthless because in the late 70s we were running out of oil, you know. And the media loves to tell you that we're running out. They reinforce the scarcity mindset that you've been born with. Because what I'm going to tell you today, and this is going to take some of you to the edge perhaps in your minds, but I'm just going to ask you to work with me here. What I'm going to tell you this morning is that this is not just an issue of, of character. It's actually an issue. It's not just an issue of, do I get noticed? Do I have enough? It's actually an issue of sin. <laughs> this scarcity mindset that you are so strongly scripted with is actually an issue of sin. Now, hang with me. It's not a word we like to use much, sin. But, but, but did you know when it's fully blown, do you know what, you know what the result is? When it's fully blown in nations, the result is children are put to death because there's not enough to go around. It will undermine your self-worth, it will destroy your relationships, and it will wreck your finances. And this morning, I'm not here to try to condemn you for it. I'm not here to say, stop it. You know, this is bad. You've got to stop it. Uh, I'm not, certainly not here to encourage it and, and support it. But I want to show you something this morning that maybe you've missed. Something this morning that maybe has not occurred to you before. What if I was to say to you that you're scripted wrongly? What if I was to say to you that your worldview in actual fact is a lie? What if I was to say to you, you can win by two and I can win by two? That the zero-sum mentality actually isn't the way God's created the world, but it's the result of sin, it's the result of fallen mankind, and there is actually another way. What if the world isn't a pie? What if there's something that you have missed? What if you can win the race? Here's the bottom line. What if you can win the race and I can win the race? What if that's true? What if it's not scarcity mentality at all? What if it's a world of abundance? I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the term, uh, rather than using scarcity mentality, an abundance mindset. Uh, the word abundance, it's a great word. It comes from the ocean. Uh, and I would encourage you. Uh, it's an hour or so's drive to the water, but no doubt you'll all get there in the next few months. I want to encourage you when you get to the ocean to reinforce this mindset. Walk along the shore of the ocean. I'm sure you've all done this, right? Walk along the shore of the ocean and watch the waves coming in. And think to yourself, oh my goodness, that's one less wave. Waves don't grow on trees, you know. How many know the waves just keep coming? And they just keep coming. And there seems no uh, holding back, no stopping. And one wave comes, one wave comes, and it doesn't mean there's less waves. One wave comes, another wave comes. The concept of abundance comes from the ocean. But I'm about to show you something else, where it comes from. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. What I'm about to show you changed the course of human history. And it may change the course of your life. This changed the name of a man who was called Abram. As a result of what I'm about to show you, this revelation that he got, his name changed to Abraham. His identity changed as a result 
of what's about to happen. Now, what's about to happen can only come from God, right? I can't force this on you. I can't teach you this, right? This is not something that you can learn. This is only something that you can get from God. But I'm going to show you it, and and, and it's certainly not going to help to at least know that it's there. It's found in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, where it says this. Now, Abram, that's this guy, is 99 years old. The Lord appears to him and says, I am El Shaddai. It's a funny name, isn't it? Who are you? I thought you were God. No, I'm El Shaddai. What's that? God Almighty, serve me faithfully and uh, live. I don't need that, love. I've got one to the side there. Thanks all the same. Did you think my voice is getting a little raspy, did you? Oh, okay. It's just the anointing. It's all good. Um, Serve me faithfully, live blamelessly, and I'll make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee, here we go, here's the point, I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. That little last phrase is intrinsic to the name El Shaddai. Uh, El Shaddai means uh, God of abundance. It means the God of unlimited. That's the idea. Like, you know, when he says, David, look at the stars. Can you count those? They're unlimited. That's who I am. I am unlimited God. God is the God of no limitations. God is the God of unlimited resources. And he shows himself to Abraham. Now, I'm not saying to you this morning, we don't have issues because we do. In our community and in your life, maybe this week something's happened and you've had scarcity mindset. Maybe this, this week your car broke down and then you've got a $5,000 bill and you haven't got the money to pay it. Maybe that happened this week. <laughs> maybe something else happened to you this week. And all of a sudden you don't have the, the resources to rise to the challenge of what is before you. What if we focus on all the wrong stuff? What if scarcity isn't a matter of survival or significance, but it is a matter of our walk before God? Now, uh, I'm not talking about, this is really important you understand this, I'm not talking about a life of gluttony. I'm not talking about a life of affluence. God is the God of abundance. I'm not talking about affluence. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about unlimited opportunity, unlimited options. It's going to become apparent a little bit, bit later, but I'll give you a little bit of a hint now. God is the God of all hope. What is hopelessness? There's no hopelessness in God. Ho- people who are hopeless have no options. Hopelessness is, no, is life without options. Therefore, God is the God of all hope. Therefore, in God, there are always options. God is the God of unlimited opportunity. Now, now, now here's the thing. If you're struggling with this, maybe you hear this morning, you're not a Bible person. Let, let, let me give you some statistics of this planet over the last hundred years and see whether or not this idea doesn't resonate with you. Over the last hundred years on planet Earth, life span has doubled. The average per capita income has gone up 300%. Child mortality is down tenfold. The cost of food is down tenfold. The cost of electricity is down 20-fold. The cost of transportation is down a hundredfold and the cost of communication is down a thousandfold. Uh, the yield in terms of, of, of farming over the last 50 years has increased sixfold. In other words, if a hectare 
um, uh, 50 years ago could feed 25 people. That same ground today can feed 155 people. We've redefined what poverty means. Today, people struggle in their poverty with their large flat, flat screen television and mobile phone. Uh, 99% of the population has electricity, has toilets, uh, has a refrigerator, has flowing water. 95% has a television, 88% has a mobile phone and 70% have cars. Things that just the high wealthy barons and lords of the previous century could not dream about. Today, people in poverty have. This thing I hold in my hand, right? Cop this, will you? This thing I hold in my hand, I can remember the 70s. Hands up if you can remember the 70s. Like for some of us, it wasn't that long ago, right? What a, the computing power of what I hold in my hand is a million times cheaper than it was just in the 70s and a thousand times faster. I'm talking about the opportunities that have existed in the last, what is that, 40 years. We are living in a world of abundance. God is the God of abundance. He's created a world of abundance. I don't know, we were all, the, the talk now is all about energy crisis, blah, blah, blah. You've seen it on the news, no doubt, you know, running out of energy, so forth. Did you know, here's an interesting thought for you. Did you know that more energy hits this nation of Australia every day in one day than we could ever use in a month? Did you know that? And it's free. It comes from the sun. We just haven't figured out quite yet how to harness it. Tesla have come out and said they could solve our energy problems in 100 days. Now, whether or not that's true, and I don't know, right? They could be just posturing. Whether or not that's true, I can assure you over the next 20 or 30 years, you watch. You watch. There's enough energy to burn in this country it hits us from the sun and it's given to us by God every day in such abundance that we could never even rise up to use it all. So even if you're not a Bible person this morning, you've got to realize the press doesn't want you to know this, right? It doesn't sell because it doesn't threaten you. But we are living in the world of abundance. How am I going for time here? I could go on all day. Uh, here's some interesting stuff. Uh, You've all heard of Napoleon, right? Now, Napoleon, he would sit down at his table with gold utensils, gold silver, a gold spoon, gold knives and forks and so forth. And then his lieutenants, um, they would have silver. Um, the the um, king of Thailand, or the king of Siam, it was known back then, the king of Siam, visited Napoleon. He didn't use gold, right? He used something far more valuable than gold for his utensils, do you know what he used? He used aluminium. <laughs> uh, aluminium is 8% of, uh, of, of basically the earth. <laughs> I mean, there is so much aluminium in the ground. But of course, back then, electrolysis and you know, the smelting thing that we have today hadn't been invented. And all I'm simply saying to you is that this concept of of scarcity is so subjective. If you had an aluminium fork, you wouldn't think that was more valuable than a gold fork today, would you? But, but the king of Siam did. You see, it's about 
it's about our perspective. It's about our understanding. I'm not talking about an abundance of luxury. I'm talking about an abundance of opportunity. Now, let's work this through. If this isn't true and you're a Christian, right? If we're living in a world of scarcity and you call yourself a Christian, then you shouldn't have two suits. Because if you have two suits, then that's one suit I can't have. Because there's only so many suits in the world, right? So why are you cramming them into your wardrobe when there's people out there that don't have them? You need to give them away. You need to be stop being so selfish. If the scarcity mentality is true, however, if the abundant mentality is true, then that changes everything. Now, I don't think for a moment that you can change as a result of what I'm telling you this morning. I don't think for a moment that, that, that the power uh, of this is in teaching. Abraham only changed because God showed it to him. God came to Abraham and said, I am El Shaddai. He got this by direct revelation from God and it changed who he was. You just listening to me this morning, you might be, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, that was interesting. (laughs) You might go away from here and go, oh, well, you know, that wasn't a complete waste of an hour and a half this morning, you know, going to church. But it's not going to change your identity because I can't do that. I think, I think what we read in the Bible is true. This only comes via revelation. In other words, it only comes from God. And you can't force that. You can't manufacture that. Can you? Maybe you can. <laughs> Let me show you a verse. Interesting. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.7. Put that up on the screen. 2 Timothy 2.7. Interesting verse. Think about what I'm saying. Okay? That's something you have to do. Think about it. Meditate. Right, meditate, revolve in your mind, think about it, think about it. Then what happens? Look, 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 look. The Lord will, aha, the Lord now gets involved. So maybe you can't force revelation, but maybe according to this, you can position yourself for it. Maybe you can go, oh, okay. I can't, I can't, you know, what that bloke said this morning, it was interesting, but it's not going to change me because I've lived the last 60 years in a scarcity mindset. The only way anyone gets ahead is to someone else loses. The only way anyone gets a million dollars is to roll over a whole bunch of other people. That's the scarcity mindset. Because you, it's a zero-sum game, right? You win, I lose. That's the way life works. So I'm not gonna, I don't want you to win because I don't want to lose. Uh, you're never going to change that without the power of the Holy Spirit bringing you the revelation. Just an interesting verse there, I reckon. Think about it. And God will speak. Just a thought just a thought so uh, if, if you want this let's delve in then hey let's 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 go a little bit deeper and let's just see what it was that happened in Abraham's experience so that maybe you can kind of replicate it all right maybe you go okay so if you said to me okay I'm going to think about it I'm going to think if this is what you want to do then you walk in and how do I do that listen take some notes because I'm about to tell you I'm about to Dig into Abraham's revelation and you'll go, oh, this is what I've got to do. Oh, this is what I've got to do. So let's, let's listen. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 19. This is powerful. It says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. <laughs> Anyone ever done that? Don't no, put your hand up. <laughs> Anyone ever focused on your limitation and concluded it's hopeless? Abraham didn't do that. His 100-year-old body never fathered a child, uh, nor did he survey Sarah, Sarah's decade of her infidelity, her, her infidelity and, and give up. 
Um, uh, Sarah had never born a child. She was infertile. He was 90. He was, how many know? He passed it. But it says he didn't focus on the limitation. So, so here's the thing. I'm 54 years of age, right? I'm never going to be center half forward for the Brisbane Lions. It's over, baby, right? I'm done. It's finished. That's a limitation. I'm not saying there's no limitations. That's stupid. But within those limitations are opportunities. I can't do that means I'm free to do this. Because I can't do that means I can do this. So what I'm saying to you is don't look at the limitation and go, oh, it's hopeless. Right, we, don't, we can't rise to that. We don't have that capacity. We don't have that, that money. No, no, no. I'm not saying, yes, there are limitations. What I'm saying is that within the context of your limitations are opportunities. And it's a smart man or it's a smart woman who leans into the limitations. Says, okay, God has put this in my life. You know, um, the, the prophet comes to this widow lady and says, what is in your hand? And she says, a little jar of oil, a little barrel of, 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 of flour, that's all. That's all I've got. But God put it in your hand. And as a result, it multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and fed herself and her family for, for, forever, for a long time. Because what was in her hand was in her hand by the sovereign power of God. What's in your hand? It was God said to Moses, what's in your hand? He said, I've got a staff. I've got a rod. A rod was in his hand. And he used that rod and that rod opened up all kinds of opportunities for him. What has God placed in your hand? God has put something in everybody's hand here this morning. And you need to know what God has placed in your hand has a multiplying effect about it. There is a supernatural dimension to it. We believe that. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundant, there it is, the abundance of God. He can do not just abundantly according to Paul, but exceedingly abundantly. When Paul was writing this, it was like the word abundantly just doesn't carry uh, the, the, the the kind of power that I need here. So he puts this word exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or even think according to what this is important according to what he's placed in your hand according to the power that works in you God has put something within you that is exceeding abundant in terms of its opportunity you have an exceeding abundant opportunity in your life placed there by God start to refocus your view it's easy to look at all the problems it's easy to see all the limitations no that might be God saying redirect it might be God saying take another look take a a diversion away from this but but you need to know God is not scarce in terms of opportunities and he's not finished with giving you opportunities there are opportunities in your life right now that you're not even seeing. God's placing opportunities all around us because he's the God of unlimited options, the God of unlimited opportunities. It says this, let's continue to read. This is the message translation. I just thought it kind of communicated it really, uh, it's re- re- really clearly. It says he didn't tiptoe around God's promises, I love this, asking cautiously skeptical questions. But he plunged in to the promise. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good what he had said. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to take the plunge. Do that. Say, I'm going to take the plunge. 
Okay? Now, now turn to your second choice, the other person, and say, you should plunge more often. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Okay, back with me now. <laughs> he didn't, I love this. I didn't tiptoe around asking cautiously skeptical questions. I love that. Because Proverbs says, how man thinks, so he is. Um, Robbins writes that thinking is the process of asking and answering questions. That's what thinking is. Thinking is, in, is almost uh, uh, subconscious questions that you ask that then you consciously answer. He says that's the process of thinking. And right now, some of you are going, is that true? I'm not sure. <laughs> Point. <laughs> Point taken. That's, that's, how, that's why. You, ever, you know why you buy a red car? You see red cars everywhere because you buy a red car. Who else has got a car like me? Oh, there's a red car. Oh, there's a red car. Because all, that's the, it's the internal question that you ask. The questions that you ask will define the world that you see. Um, did you know that it was the wrong question that brought the human race down? You go, no, 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 it was sin, you know. Eve ate the apple in the garden and she shouldn't have done that. Yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. But go before Eve ate the apple. And, and what was the process to the downfall? The, the, Satan comes, the serpent you know, comes and says to Eve, has the Lord really said? A cautiously sceptical question. Wrong question. The question had not even entered Eve's head before. She, she, she never questioned the goodness of God. She never questioned what you know, God had said. And, and all of a sudden now, somebody's questioning God, which had not even entered her, her frame of thinking. But now she's thinking down a line. That's how Satan gets you every time, by the way. He brings a question into your frame of thinking that is not the godly question. And this brought the human race down. I mean, think about the worst, you know, I mean, you, you, you don't think of yourself in you know, terms of, um, of, of depravity and sin. But think of the worst possible depravity and sin that, 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 you, that is in the world today. You know, think about what's happening in Syria or whatever, you know. Uh, some innocent little girl or whatever. You know, think of the worst depravity of sin. And, and I don't want to take you there for too long, but I just want to bring you back from that. So that all, uh, that all started with asking the wrong question. That's all I'm saying. That, that, that question was full-blown, all comes back to asking the wrong question. Jesus put it like this. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. So next time things don't work for you, and, you, and this is what you say. This is the, tell me if you've ever done this, right? Why am I such an idiot? Anyone ever asked that question? <laughs> ask and you will receive. <laughs> Why are you such an idiot? I'll tell you why. Because you're a moron. Because <laughs> you're this, because you're that. You, you know, all I'm saying is that asking those self-defeating questions, you've just released your mind to answer it. Ask and you will receive. Sometimes you don't want to receive. But the questions that you ask. So here's the question. You want a good question to ask? Here's a great question to ask. Um, how can I use my experience to serve God? If you ask that question, you'll get an answer. 
you'll get opportunities. How can I use my experience to serve others? You ask that question and opportunities. I, I got a great mate of, my, mate of mine, Phil Camden is his name. He pastored a church in Newcastle. Wasn't a church about last weekend, but very close. And, um, and he's got motor neurons disease. And his body is just closing down. He pastored one of the great churches in New South Wales. He's a, he was you know, on fire. He was a great preacher. He's a fantastic guy. And boom, he's about my age. Five years ago, motor neurons disease. And he could have just collapsed into a world of, of inner defeat and hopelessness. But, but he said, how can I use my experience to serve others? And he's one of all these people who are in the motor neurons disease club, to, you know, people suffering to Christ. He said, how can, rather than feeling sorry for himself, rather than saying, well, that's it, I can't pass the church anymore. Well, that's it, I can't drive anymore. That's it, I can't this, I can't that, I can't this, I can't that, I can't this. He asked the question, how can I use my current experience to serve others? And here's my question to you. What is your next step in, in God? What is your next step? Next Sunday night, we've got a baptismal service. Maybe you've never been baptized. Take the step, plunge, take the use. Remember you said, I said a moment ago, uh, he took the plunge. You need to take the plunge and get water baptized. You need to go up to that desk when the service is finished and say, hey, I'm signing up for water baptism, I'm in. Maybe what you need to do is start serving in one service so you can come to the next. Maybe, maybe you could be a great Sunday school teacher up there uh, and start to raise up this next generation. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you've got to stop sitting here every Sunday morning and listen to me preach. Come at night listen to me preach. And come up there in the morning and serve in the kids' ministry. That, it's, it, my point is there's always a next step. What is your next step? What's God calling you next to? He's not finished with you. Your, your Christian experience and growth, it's not, it's not kind of, well, that's it, I'm done. No, it's not. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. God has got an opportunity for you. So you've got to rise up. So plunge in and stop asking cautiously skeptical questions. What if I fail? What if I can't do it? What if things go bad? Stop it. <laughs> How can I use my experience to serve God? Now there's a question. I love this bit. It says, but this is not just Abraham. This is great. It's all of us. Don't you love that? We just got sucked in. No longer is Paul just writing about Abraham's experience. He's now saying, it's all of us. We're all in this together. The God of unlimited opportunity is the God of you and the God of me. Stop asking questions. He goes on and says this. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life. When the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God and set us right with God. You see, God is the God of all hope and in Him there is no hopelessness. Say it another way. God is the God of all opportunity. In God, you always have an option. You are never against a wall that says, well, that's it. I have no options at all. Do you know the word prosperity? The word prosperity has had a bit of a, a bad rap in recent years. The word prosperity comes from the Latin root. It means to go forward hopefully. To go forward with hope. 
that's what prosperity means and I'm into the prosperity doctrine amen I want to go forward with hope because what are the options go forward with hopelessness that's going to take me back El Shaddai you know what it literally means El Shaddai I think running out of time this is what it literally means I'm sorry but this is just the literal translation it means the many breasted one and here's the idea behind the many-breasted one. Again, I don't, I'm not an expert when it comes to feeding babies, but I, I know enough. We can find stuff here. <laughs> I know this. Uh, you stop feeding the child and the milk dries up. You keep feeding the child and the milk just keeps coming. God is the many-breasted one. That's the idea. It just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. You stop using it. You stop focusing on it. It'll dry up. But you keep using it and the milk keeps flowing. <laughs> because God, that's what it literally means. The many, many breasts. In other words, there's a breast for us all. In other words, <laughs> he suckles us all. I know that's difficult for some of the younger ones, obviously. But anyhow, you get the point, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's actually a great point. It's a great point. It means the provision there for, from God doesn't, doesn't stop. Think, think, let's think of it like this. Let me, let me bring it to a more um, user-friendly idea. I don't write the stuff, folks. I just preach it, right? It's what it is, what it is. And, and here's the thing. You know, when you have your first child, and we, we've, we've had three, but your first child comes along, and, uh, and don't you love that child with all your heart? I mean, don't you love that child with 100% of your of, of your energy of your time of, of of your capacity right you don't hold back you love that child with everything that you have and then what happens well it happened for us and now it's happened for many of you it doesn't always happen but it's happened for for us is that you know um you Francine falls pregnant again and we have a second child so what do we do now well we now have to divide up our love right uh, what if you have a, what if you have twins what if a, for, you know we didn't have last but imagine that she was pregnant with twins and now we've got three what are we going to do we can only give a third of our love to each right so I had a, you used to get 100% of my love but now you only get a third because I've, I've got to measure it out between all of the siblings I don't know how you get it if you have five kids I mean imagine that only 20% love that's all you get 20% pretty sad isn't it but how many know I'm speaking a load of nonsense? Because when you have that child, that second child, that child gets 100% of your love, like the first child. I don't know what it is, but somehow all that you had before is multiplied all over again. Then you have a third child, and now you're not dividing that love. Now you have a third child, all of a sudden that child gets 100% of your love. How can that child get 100% of your love when that child got 100% of your love? But this child comes along, and you love that child with all your heart, with all, your, all, your, all, your, all of your attention, all of your, uh, all of your capacity, and so it goes on. And if that describes you, how do we describe God? How could you ever think that somehow there will not be enough for me when God says, I am El Shaddai? How could we live with a scarcity mindset when we serve a God of abundance? Let's bow our heads. And we're going to pray. 
Lord, I thank you that we have the ability to rejoice in each other's victory, knowing that it doesn't equal our loss. Lord, that life's not some kind of pie divided up uh, marginally between each of us, but it's like an ocean. When the tide comes in, all the boats rise. Lord, I thank you this morning that you have more than enough for every person, not just in this room, but on this planet. Maybe, I don't know everybody in the room, obviously. Maybe you're here and I talk about this whole fear-driven scarcity mindset. You know it full well. You've experienced it from others. You've experienced control over your life as people have tried to, uh, you know, uh, communicate to you that things are running out and that you need to, you need to fear more and, 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 and you've lived with it. Maybe you've projected it on the others. I, I don't know. But maybe you're here and you go, hey, this God of abundance, what's this all about? This God of abundance has room for you in his heart. It's not like somehow it's getting to, it's not, not, you know, it's not getting to an end. God's heart is more than large enough, more than significant enough for every individual that's ever been on this planet, leave alone it's here now. If you're in this room this morning, just before we, we stand and we just worship this God who's, who's exceeding and abundant beyond, beyond what we can ask or think. If you're here this morning and, and you're not following that God, you just say to me, you know, John, I, I, I'm not following that God. And I, this morning, I want to make that decision and I, I, I want to surrender my life to him. I, I want to become the, like this child of Abraham, as it were. This, I want to be included in the all of us of Romans 4. You want to be part of the us. Then if that's you, would, can I, could you do me the, the wonderful honor this morning and, and privilege of just taking your, your hand and waving it and say, yeah, that's me. I want to pray for you right where you are this morning. If that's you, just lift your hand up and go, yeah, that's me, buddy. Pray for me. I'd be, it'd be an honor to do that for you this morning. If there's anybody here this morning, you want to just signify that, I'm going to include you in a prayer. And that would be fantastic. Just lift your hand up and say, yeah, that's me this morning. We'll pray together. That'd be great. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. God has got a next step for you. This is an abundant God. What is the next step? Maybe you can think about what is the next opportunity that God's got for you in your life, in your experience, and in the service of others. Let's worship Him. Thanks.